Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing uh, pretty decent. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Last few days on Martha's Vineyard and then I'm coming home. Ah, all right. Ending out your uh, your little fall getaway. Exactly. Nice. Yeah. So uh, I was on another podcast without you, I'm afraid. Ah, come on, man. I know. Has to happen occasionally. Yeah, I've been doing it too a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I was on the Keep Going podcast, which is the, uh, put on by the Arrows folks. And uh, it was fun. There's two founders. It's kind of like us, only they are two founders working on the same um, company. And I was DMing with one of them saying like, I wish there was like a bit more detail about this. And I'm curious about this. Um, and he was like, oh, yeah, it's hard to know what to talk about and like what people are curious about when it's just the two of us because we've got so much context. And I was like, well, if, if you want, I can come on and grill you. And he was like, oh, yeah. So I did that. So I, w- I was a guest, but I was kind of like a guest interviewer almost. Mm-hmm. Like I barely talked about myself. It was mostly about them. Yeah, I managed to actually catch that episode. Someone tweeted it out and I was like, oh, this ought to be interesting. And uh, it was. I really enjoyed it. I've, this should probably happen more often, I think, in our our little network of bootstrapper podcasts or whatever you want to call them. <laughs> because, yeah, sometimes it's like we, we get used to asking each other the same questions or like there's probably things that listeners are like one wishing we would talk about more but we you know are kind of blind to it so totally yeah that would be cool we should try that we should think of some people that would be good at that mm-hmm. yep plus then it's even easier than actually hosting right do you feel like you got drew some like good answers out of them and like got got some of your questions answered um yeah i was pretty happy with how it turned out they were like very forthcoming which was cool Whenever I interview someone, I try to get people to pause and think and be like, that's a good question. And I got one or two of those. So success there. But yeah, I think it was interesting. That's good. I do enjoy your interview style. I mean, that's, I remember listening to many episodes of you on Giant Robots before we started podcasting together and you were mostly doing interviews and I always enjoyed those. So thanks. Yeah. I think it's an interesting challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something I would like to get better at, I think, is like asking better questions. And I think that probably applies to a lot of areas like one, just being a better conversationalist and also like, I don't know, being able to talk to people who are you potentially going to hire or something, you know, like all of these different types of conversations that we have, I think like bolstering those skills helps in all those areas probably. Have you ever listened to the conversations with Tyler podcast? Uh, No, I don't think so. So it's hosted by Tyler Cowan, who is an economist and he, I think he's like maybe the best podcast interviewer that I'm aware of. Hmm. Oh, interesting. He's so good at it. And it's, it's, a, it's a unique style. But it's, if you're interested in like good interview technique, I think he's super worth uh, listening to. Oh, cool. I'll check that out. Yeah. He's always like insanely prepared. Like he's read tons about their person. Like he knows all the background. Um, his questions are like really interesting hypotheticals. Um, or like sort of dives right into like complicated, like not complicated, but like a difficult to answer kind of mm, surprise or um, paradox or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And he just like, and he moves it really fast. Like he's, he asks a direct question. They answer. He doesn't react at all. He's just on to the next question. Mm, interesting. It's like very rapid fire. Yeah. Preparation is probably the, 
the thing that is a bit underrated. Like if someone, if an interview goes poorly, it's like, it's probably because of poor, bad preparation, honestly. Yes. And I think also a willingness to ask lazy questions. So I've been asked, I'm on like a decent amount of podcasts as a guest. And I've been asked like, what was the biggest surprise while like starting Tuple? Like a million times. And it's just like, that seems like it's going to be a good question, but it's just, it's so overused. I feel like that's the first thing people think of when they think like, let me ask a clever question. Um, Or like, what was like the the hardest part or the worst part or the worst day or whatever. Like people, I think everyone sort of thinks like, oh, that's it. That's a clever, unique question take. But everyone thinks that. Yeah. Yeah. I was just recently interviewed. I did a, a AMA on Reddit, on the SAS subreddit. I actually don't know how to say his name. C.H. Daniel. <laughs> That's how he always signs his name. Uh, interviewed me for... He does like a long form thing and it's sort of designed to be sort of preparation for the AMA and they try to drop the episode in advance so that people can, if they want, get get like backstory and then ask even better questions um, on the forum, which actually turns out there was a snafu with the editing and the, the episode went live afterward, but it was fine. It was like an hour, hour and a half long conversation. He is like decently skilled. I think he's has skills beyond what he thinks he has because he's just the way he um, engaged the conversation was was cool. Like I think it, it was like instead of going kind of down a linear set of like pre-prepared questions, it was very conversational and he was willing to like to pull a thread on something and be like, oh, what do you mean by that? Or tell me more about that, you know? And I think that's something that I sometimes when I'm trying to interview someone, I'm like trying to stick to the points that I wanted to get to and then sometimes just ignore like an interesting thread or something that I could have pulled on. And so... Right. I did an AMA on the the SAS subreddit and was impressed with him. Like his organization and he also just keeps like getting bigger guests. Like he's like sort of like gobbling up everyone in our network it seems like I'm bullish on his future, whatever he's doing. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. I'm trying a thing that I stole from Spencer Fry. Remember Spencer Fry from Podia? I do, yes. One of his core things is sending a weekly email to the team with updates about what's going on across the company. So I decided to try a three-week stint of that. So I sent the first one on Monday, and I'm going to do two more and see how it goes. But so far, it's interesting. It's kind of nice to just have like a quick summary across the company of like what's going on, what's been shipped. Um, and I also think it's an interesting <laughs> an interesting podium <laughs> to uh, add other content, other things that are like I might be thinking or are important. Like here's an interesting support request that came in recently or here's a bug that's causing a lot of trouble. Like heads up on this or something like that. Yeah, yeah. In the drip days when we were just a small team, mostly all in the same place, we would go to lunch weekly together. And that's where like the kind of cross pollination of like stuff from from support or stuff from like uh, the development side or what Rob was writing on, like writing some content and talking about that, you know, like and we could all kind of swap notes about what was happening. And that was always really valuable, I think, to get everyone kind of up to speed what others are doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the uh, remote work analog of that, mm-hmm. I suppose. Yep. And as I like collated the email and like pulled everybody's projects together, it was like, oh yeah, there's a lot of things happening. You could see how it would be easy to not know mm-hmm. um, if you're over in this part of the company what's going on over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many active team members are you at right now? Um, seven. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So it's 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 getting there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. But it's great. The new people have been awesome. 
I'm experiencing the whole like the value of adding good smart people to the team uh, feels very real. And it's like, oh yeah, I can see how my main job being adding awesome people to the team is like sufficient basically to like more or less sufficient for the company's success or at least a very key component to it. Because just like I've just seen like, oh, like we added someone awesome over here and he just immediately started leveling us up all over the place. And now we just have a, a we're just doing all these things better than we were before. And it's, it's man, it, it feels really good. You got to love that. Um, mm-hmm. So like when you decided to send this, this email, in this case, you heard this idea from Spencer. Are you spending time on a regular basis, like deliberately thinking about like, okay, what are the, what are the potential things I need to get ahead of to make sure our team continues to function efficiently? Or are you just sort of relying on like, I'll kind of spot, spot something like that when I, uh, when it comes up and try to try to address it? Or like, I guess, what do you, I'm curious if you're, if you're like dedicating mental headspace to that specifically thinking about those types of things right now. Are you talking about like the the idea of sending a weekly email and like I think more just more generally like things that you need to be trying to think about or tweak about the way you work as your team continues to grow. And that being like that's an example of one of the things that you've done, right? Because you're like, okay, now now the team has grown a bit and people are potentially not not up to speed on what others are doing. Yeah, I think I th- I can't remember for sure. I think Stephen might have asked for something like this. Um, or if we had some sort of mechanism for for this, I could be wrong. I th- I, this may have just been the thing that I decided to try. I don't have like a framework I'm using, or a, I'm just kind of trying to pay attention. We've had a couple of the sort of oh, I didn't know that had happened, or I didn't know that person was doing that, or so I'm starting to see uh, every so often that that's starting to happen. It feels like seven people is, is about where this is beginning, or. It's like there's just enough going on that it would be tough. It's actually kind of tough to keep your fingers on on most of it. Yeah. You potentially have a kind of another class of problems coming around the corner as like, and when you add the eighth and the ninth, like I bet some more things are gonna gonna pop up where you're like, oh, that's that was easy to to uh you know deal with when we were a team of three or four, but now like now we gotta be more deliberate. I guess being deliberate about things is sort of that's probably a, a way to summarize like what you're kind of required to do in this next phase, right? Because stuff doesn't just magically happen anymore because everyone's talking to each other all the time. Right. Yes. There are too many nodes in the graph to like fully connect it. And so what are you going to do because of that hiring and then that feels like the like working on the machine that makes the machine. And that, that feels like kind of like, okay, this is like the CEO job. It's like, how is, how is the company doing? What does what does the company need so that at the end of the day it makes an awesome product? Yeah, that's good. It seems like your your head's in the right place about that. Like you're not trying to not trying to like spend a ton of your time being an individual contributor necessarily, but you're kind of focusing on on the company side of it, which is I think probably right for your stage, especially. You know? Yeah, I think so. It's I mean I'm still figuring out the right breakdown of that because I don't think it's it's not like a hundred zero is is correct. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, I, I do think, I do feel like my mindset is changing a bit where it's like, oh, we should really design this new feature. And it's like, well, we should probably go hire a designer um, because someone should be designing these features all the time. Um, so I think I am starting to sort of kind of lift my level of abstraction a bit. And like the other day we sort of sketched out, I sketched out a project with Steven and I was like, okay, I guess we figured out what we're going to do here. And then in my head, I was like, and next I'm going to go do it. And he was like, do you want me to do this? And I was like, oh, 
Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. And it was, I mean, it was a relief because it was like, oh, I can go focus on the next thing at the high level because I, I, I think that's where I'm generally happiest. Like the nice thing about individual contributor work is you do get to get, like, get in flow and mm-hmm. produce a thing that's a value and it's, it can be really nice. I think that the thing that I'm finding most satisfying right now actually is at the next level, is at the more general building the company. Yeah. Focus. Well, and it's like, and it's really hard to switch between those two modes. I've, I'm finding, you know, which is one of the, one of the many things that's like difficult about being in a wear many hats phase for me right now is like, we'll get deeper into this a little bit as I kind of talk through stuff I'm thinking, but like it produces in me a little bit of a sense of anxiety. Cause I'm like, I, I should be thinking higher level about like company direction and company building, but also like I'm responsible for so much of the actual like producing the things. And so it's like sometimes I'll, I'll find myself constantly feeling like I've gone too too long in this mode, not putting this other hat on. But then when I switch into the other hat, it's really hard to switch back into uh, into the other one. So it's it's tough, you know, it's tough to try to try to do both really well. For sure. Although, I mean, we've sort of talked about the benefit you're getting in shipping speed by just by being that single node. And that, that feels quite valuable to me. Yep. Yeah. I almost feel like as long as you can be just a founder or the founders and get what you need done at a pace that you feel good about, that seems like the sort of a thing you would want to stretch out. I think there's a lot of benefit, as we've discussed, in being the solo person or even just a, a small team of founders where you can ship fast and have low communication overhead if you can stretch that a long time and get the amount of things you want done in a reasonable time frame that's kind of great the question floating around in my head is like how long can i stretch it and i think that's just that's probably the thing i'm trying to revisit regularly and uh and make sure that like i haven't pushed it too long like i haven't worn out that phase too much and now like i feel like i'm I haven't set myself self up well for kind of the next phase. And suddenly I'm in like a hair on fire kind of situation where, where it's like the demands of the company have grown to the point where um, suddenly I feel ill-equipped to do things well, if that makes sense, like handling number of customers I have or amount of like requests coming in or directions I want to go with, with the product or whatever. Um, yeah. Sounds like a tricky art. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's kind of what it's feeling like. I guess I could go in a little bit to kind of my, my thought process. So I was the last couple of weeks have been or last week or so has been a little bit odd mentally for me because I went on vacation. And so I was planning to take a little bit of time off anyways. And then then I got sick with a cold, which was frustrating because it wrecked my vacation. But then also like energy levels were down considerably for me, which, you know, being on a shipping spree requires a lot of energy. (laughs) So so it was like, you know, it was hard mentally because I was like, I, what, I didn't want to take this big like energy penalty and kind of knock me off my my rhythm. I was planning on doing like kind of a, a vacation work hybrid or work, work a little bit in the morning and then go, you know, go do various activities and stuff and do some R&R. So all those plans were, were wrecked. And then I've struggled, I felt like, to get back into the flow that I was in and also like been like staring down some of the tasks that are coming up that I'd sort of loosely planned to work on. And all of them feel like decent, like they're going to require a decent amount of effort. And like, so I've been feeling some uncertainty around like, are these, am I really sure like this is the most important thing for me to be working on right now? 
and kind of realizing like, you know, I haven't, I don't feel like I have a really, really strong sense where I could like confidently say, this is absolutely what is going to have highest impact for my customers right now. You know, like, like what are they really experiencing as like pain points that they really wish the product would, would help them with, you know, and I'm feeling like a little bit disconnected from, from my customers. So I think that's, that's contributing somewhat to like my uncertainty of like one having just in this last week, having a little bit less energy. So feeling like tasks were more daunting than maybe I felt like they were before when I was at hundred percent, you know, and, and then also just like this little kernel of like uncertainty, like has made me feel a little bit paralyzed on like, do I really start investing in this, this big feature right now? Or is this not the really the right next thing to be working on? And should I be kind of reevaluating that? And so I kind of went down a, down a path of thinking like, well, how do I, how do I get more confidence in like what my customers want and the prospect of just doing like several rounds of like calls with customers and trying to get them, get them to, to basically have a synchronous call with me sounds like a useful exercise, but also like that's going to take a lot of time. And is that the next, is that a good use for like a majority of my time in, in the next couple of weeks? Or is it, should I just be, you know, following my hypotheses on like, no, don't, don't, don't listen to that uncertainty and just go, go all in on the next features you were, you were considering building? Or do I try to split my time between both? Or do I try to find a more scalable way to get like, get these, a, a better read on like, what my customers are really wanting right now, that doesn't involve like, doing, you know, synchronous conversations. And so just a lot of these things floating around in my head right now. Yeah. So are you feeling like you've gotten the core functionality out? And so now all the new stuff that you might build is more specialized or niche? I think so. So I was like, I was tweeting about this a little bit yesterday. Like it's definitely feeling like I'm sort of had this realization I was, as I was thinking about features that I can kind of bucket them into two two categories is one like one way to slice them is to say like is this a horizontal feature like does this appeal to a majority of customers and like since since SavvyCal is very much positioned as a horizontal product it's like a general purpose scheduling tool that a lot of people in different you know different types of roles find useful and so focusing on those types of features is pretty pleasing because it's like most people find them handy and useful and that's good and i'm feeling like increasingly there are there are potentially like higher impact features more and more, but they would be high impact for more uh, smaller subsets of customers. So like more, more vertically kind of features. Just an example, like, you know, sales teams, like it's been in my mind of like, how do I make Savvy Cal like the best scheduling tool for sales teams? Like it's, I think the, the underlying parts of Savvy Cal that make it really good for general purpose also would make it a really, really good tool for that use case. But I think there's there's a whole set of features that I would really need to work on to make it like, first of all, just like come up to par with with the the features that are in like sales specialized scheduling tools. And then, you know, and then I have some ideas about how to like level the level up from there, even beyond like the status quo. But it's like investing in that feels like, well, how can I justify putting the entire SavvyCal engineering team, which is just me, <laughs> on like on like this set of features going after this very specific vertical and kind of leaving the rest of my customers, you know, on on pause on like new feature development? 
that's what like pushes me towards like when I think of, when I think about those types of things, I'm like, all right, this is where I want more more parallelism. This is where I want to bring someone onto the team who can, if we decide like we're going to make a bet on some some like building out some features in this direction with the hope that we can really make this a compelling tool for sales teams, then you know I want help on like being able to work on that, but also not ceasing development on features that would make you know be good for the rest of the customer base Mm. you know yeah well it feels like the bigger question there is is who is your customer who do you who do you want to be your customer right like are are you still feeling like you want to be a broadly useful tool across a bunch of different use cases i'm still pretty attracted to the idea of it being a, a pretty horizontal tool because it is yeah, like I think it's I have a very diverse set of customers right now. So like if I were to pick any one try to like niche down and just pick one set of them, I would be I would be alienating, you know, 80% of my customer base or whatever, like who don't identify with that that labeling, if that makes sense. Um but it is interesting. I mean, that's probably why tools often will do this. Like they'll you know, I think ConvertKit did this back in the day. They were like they went down and said, we're email marketing for bloggers. And they probably did alienate a lot of customers who are like, well, I'm not a blogger, but I'm using your tool. So where does that put me? So there's some risk in that. Obviously, it paid off for them. <laughs> so maybe maybe it's still worth it to do that. But I also, you know, I know like Drip did this with, with e-commerce. Like Drip is like email marketing for e-commerce, basically. And I think what that has meant is a lot of SaaS people who are using it have moved on from using the product because it's like, well, they're not they're not building the thing for me anymore. So there's that tension because it's like, yeah, you also recognizing you can't be everything for everybody, and I know that, you know. Yeah. Well, that was the that was a pot in my head when when you were like, oh, should I add these things and try to make it the best scheduling tool for salespeople? And my thought was like, well, you're probably not going to be the best for salespeople if you don't really go after that. Right. Yep. Yep. So then do you try to just be the like close to the best for every for a lot of people and be happy with your kind of like broad exposure to the world? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's probably I think it's probably possible to like pick potentially pick a few of these like not I mean, say there's like 20 verticals or something like if I picked three, I could probably excel at three like that doesn't seem like too big of a lift and maybe they're not. Maybe there are three somewhat distinct ones, like sales teams and uh, you know founders, and maybe one other. Like there, there's potentially features for one that really don't apply to any of the others. But that doesn't mean you can't have both of those in there. It just it just means like maybe you can't do the other fifteen verticals well, but maybe you can be really good at three. So I don't know. If it's like just a matter of like. Kind of getting getting out of the the product builder mode for a minute and thinking more high level about these things and maybe just spending some time on that and trying to um, trying to gain gain some clarity, I guess. Yeah. Well, also earlier you said you, you're kind of feeling disconnected from your customers, and that mm-hmm. that feels important to me. Yeah. Yeah. Something to to address where I I should probably try to like work on that so that I don't have that feeling, right? Yeah. Like I, I wonder if you spun up a forum or a um, one of those like you know public roadmappy type tools, um, like would a consensus emerge pretty fast? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are your what are your thoughts on those type of tools in general? Like I've been also polling people on Twitter about that a little bit, and there's a definitely a, a broad spectrum of of opinions about their usefulness versus their you know potential drawbacks. 
I sort of am constantly flirting with the idea of trying something like that. I do sort of want to try it and gather some data myself because I feel like I'm just sort of speculating about it. I do. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm pro feedback from your customers. That seems like a pretty unalloyed good. There's probably value in like threaded discussion around possible features for sure. So my concerns are sort of like, oh, do we have we, will we create another sort of support channel that we then feel sort of compelled to maintain? Will people request things that we are just like, yeah, we just don't want to do this or we will probably want to do this for a long time or something. And now we have this kind of semi-awkward interaction with somebody or I don't know. I guess that's not really... A, I don't know. That feels okay. Yeah. I, I don't know why I haven't tried it. Some, something stops me. I, I guess I feel like something in my intuition says like, we're probably going to stop doing this. Like I just can't... I can't picture us doing it for a long time for some reason. And I don't quite know why. Yeah. So when speaking specifically to that thing said like in in her experience it was very hard it's like very hard to unwind this because it's like you have this this place where people feel like empowered to go and you know submit their feature request and the it's in public view so other people can kind of pile onto it and like it's so like taking that away um i guess can be a, a pretty negative process or it can just like leave a bad taste in people's mouth i guess um if you like decide to decommission that thing um because then it comes across, I guess, as like, what? So you don't care what we want anymore? Like, you don't, you're, like, you're silencing your customers or something, which, you know, so it could get perceived poorly. The issue of kind of implicit expectations, like, if something is the top upvoted thing, then, you know, could people might expect that, like, well, that's certainly what you're going to build next, then, right? Because the people have spoken. In my mind, you could potentially get ahead of that by just being very, very upfront about, like, this is not in the immediate plans, but maybe you know, it's, it's still on the maybe list, like just, I guess, being kind of transparent about that. But also, like, there's only so much that I can make a call on at any given time. So like, if there's 10 features, and everyone wants an answer on like, are you ever going to build this, it's gonna, it's hard to give a definitive answer on that. Uh, you know, sometimes it can be so it feels like something worth trying. I do. I mean, I can see some possible downsides. But I also think I mean, especially if you're feeling like you don't have a clear next step and you feel kind of disconnected from your customers, doing something to alleviate that seems important. I suppose it could be a one a one off kind of try to gauge the pulse. Like I think we did this with Drip early on. We we like did a survey basically um, of customers, and if I recall, that was actually a pretty helpful exercise. Like we we sort of had some hypotheses on like th- these are some different directions more broadly like not really down to the individual feature level necessarily but like sort of trying to get a read on what's important to people and i think we i think it was helpful so yeah i've done that a few times and i've definitely found it helpful and you can kind of give them a list of like uh, which which of these features is most interesting mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. you know a, fr- a free text thing of just like what, what would you love if we built yeah yeah I, mean, I, I can't imagine regret like I can I can imagine regretting a public road mapping discussion tool, but I, I can't really imagine regretting a, a survey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it might be might be worthwhile. Yeah, even even today, like so, I'm basically at the very tail end of like coming off of this like cycle of having a cold. So I even feel more energy today than I did yesterday. So I think <laughs> that's just going to help my mental state overall too. Um, and just trying to remind myself that like doing shipping sprees, like like trying to produce at a very uh, quick pace does require a lot of energy. So like when you don't have it, you have to I have to give myself some grace on that. You know? Yeah, totally. Um, so 
and you know this is the flip side of the the one person team mm-hmm. is that if you have a cold then the shipping stops but that's that's all right that's just the the price you pay for the other benefits i also found myself questioning as you were talking like is is more features what you need right now for the business mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh, I think it was Tyler King on on Twitter asked the question in that thread where I was like just mind just brain dumping about this stuff. He was like, "Is it possible that you're you're like basically putting arbitrary pressure on yourself? Like this urgency is like just self imposed, and like maybe you could just keep going at at your regular pace and working slowly and methodically and on things that are going to help your customers and just kind of keep doing that. And I'm like, yep, that's hundred percent possible that I'm putting all this pressure on myself, like feeling all this anxiety about this that is really self-imposed um, because I think I am, I'm my own worst critic and I put, you know, I feel most viscerally the, the ways that I feel like the product is deficient for customers. And I think most customers are, a lot of customers are very, very happy with the tool today. So, Yeah. I mean, I'm having trouble thinking of anything that you could add that I would be super excited about at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to today at least, which is good. I like to hear that. I mean, products; these products are never done, but like you know, it's good if a lot of people are kind of feeling like, yeah, it it does what I needed to do. Um, right. Yeah. Like my thought is like when you were like, oh, like I uh, talking about the shipping thing was like, do you need more shipping or like would you rather just have twice as many customers as you do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, totally. Do you just need more marketing, or like, is there is there some part of the funnel you could go tighten up to help you improve the 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 engine? Yeah. No, that's that's a really good reminder. I mean, because I think I do bias towards like I want to get more customers, therefore I need to build even more impressive product, and that's not necessarily that's not really how customers are gained necessarily. <laughs> it's uh, there's just a lot of there's a lot of awareness still to be built about what we're doing and what we already have. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, can you get your customers to share it or, you know, talk about it? Or is there some interesting paid ad you could run or something? There's probably a lot of levers you could pull. But again, it comes down to what you... What, what does the business need? Does it need the product to be better? Is there, Has the product gotten better enough in the recent weeks that you'd get more leverage from some sort of sales or marketing effort? I think that's the right question to be asking. And one that I I don't feel like I know confidently because I'm just... I'm just so much in the doing that I haven't stepped back to think, what does the business really need right now? What do I, what do I need to feel good about where I'm directing my energy? You know? Yes. Yeah. Um, well, it's tomorrow is the first day of the last quarter. Ah, it's a nice milestone marker in the year. Yeah. So maybe, maybe it's time for some quarterly planning. Yeah. Like what good. would make you excited if it happened in the next quarter for SavvyCon? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'll go do that. I'll probably go to a coffee shop today, sip a cappuccino, and kind of get deep into my notebook thinking about that. That sounds like a good use of my time. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like everything flows from that. There's a million kinds of companies you can build with different characteristics, but so you have to decide that. But then once you do, you can use that to guide your decisions. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's good. So we're doing some Hacktoberfest stuff. Yeah, I've, I've seen you uh, send in some, some tweets out about that. Yeah, starting tomorrow, DigitalOcean runs this thing called Hacktoberfest where they give away t-shirts to people that do open source contributions. Um, and we're like, oh, that's, that's cool. We like open source. Let's, let's support this. So um, we sort of formalized giving away Tuple for free to open source teams, uh, which is a thing that we've, we've sort of done in, like unofficially. 
informally, but now it's it's written somewhere, um, which is cool. That feels great. That that to me is just like, yeah, we should 100% do that. Like our our tool is built on great open source software. It's and also yeah, it's just a great you know seeding the market kind of thing. Totally. Yep. It seems like uh, a no brainer. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Especially man, it's it's so nice that our marginal cost for tuple is just like effectively zero. Yeah. Peer to peer. Peer to peer. Like that's what a thing. Like it, it when slash if we eventually go to like multi-way calls with like a client server architecture, that's it's gonna change the calculus on these things. But it's it's nice right now that we never have to think about like, oh, like can we give away tuple for free? It's like absolutely yes, we always can, whenever we want. Right. Right. Depending on how you would architect this, I would I imagine you would still keep around peer to peer for this mode of calling so maybe that would be the the still the free version for open source and if you want the multi you know the bigger bigger things then that's on paid only or something yeah 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 that totally could happen that wouldn't be a bad thing i've actually been i've been on the lookout for better things to add to our enterprise tier Mm -hmm. because right now it's like if you want to do a custom contract you have to like it's you're going to pay a higher price and if you want sso same thing I, i feel a little bit lame about the sso thing Mm, yeah like it's I, I would like to offer that in the base thing yeah. but i also like having a higher price point mm-hmm. so thinking about what we can add there has been on my mind yeah yeah but anyway so we're doing the free for open source stuff and then also um starting tomorrow we're extending the tuple trial length to be the whole month of october oh cool so, so if people are doing Hacktoberfest, they could just like sign up for a free trial use tuple for the whole month and then and not worry mm-hmm. about paying for it Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. And we're also going to be sponsoring some open source tools through GitHub sponsorships. Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 There's some obvious ones that you might choose, like that we're using, but but we're trying to find some ones that are deserving but lesser known. Mm-hmm. We're actually taking applications for this uh, until next week. Um, and you can find it on, on tuple.app slash blog. You can find there's like a form there where you can submit your preferred project for this. So if you have suggestions, uh, we would appreciate them. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I, like anything, there are so many projects that are still like very useful, high impact, but like small enough that uh, you know the person. It's just a labor of love <laughs> for the for the creator. So, yes, I would like yeah. to make it. I would like to make it slightly less about love for some people. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. Anything else going on with you? Um. I don't think so. Actually, I wanted, I wanted to call out, though, that you you tweeted that uh, you had your first Linux to Linux call happen. In right. Tuple. Yes. Thank you for reminding me about that. That is exciting. <laughs> the Linux client is very much coming along. Uh, Spencer um, has been working on distribution of the, the app. And we sort of proved that the distribution worked by... It's it's actually a um, two, two different Linux distribution were in the call i think it was ubuntu and pop or something like that okay all right um and so not only did we distribute it different ones but we it ran on different ones and that's uh, pretty exciting nice so yeah. so this means i mean because there, there's so there's like the engine like the shared a, a core of shared code between your clients right and so this this sort of is it's it's end-to-end testing that it's actually working right is that oh yeah fair to say yeah. yes yes very much wow that's that's good that's a big accomplishment it is, yeah. I mean, it's it's taken a while. <laughs> I think we decided to do this early in the year, um, but actually, this you know, it, it's it took us about nine months to get the first version of Tuple going, and then a lot of the time spent this year was like like, like sort of preparatory refactoring of pulling out the engine. 
which was sort of extremely entangled with all the other stuff, the Mac specific stuff. I guess we're about nine months in on that work. That feels uh, feels okay to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, congrats. Can't wait to Thank see you. it to see it ship officially. Do you do you have an idea of when it's actually uh, gonna go generally available, or still fuzzy um, on that? So we have a list. We have about two thousand people on the wait list right now, and those are like explicitly on the wait list. We have a bunch of customers that ask us for it. So, I mean, we'll, we'll of course like let the customer base know that this is a possibility too. So, I expect us to have like you know some single digit thousands of people that are interested in giving it a shot. So we will certainly start with a small alpha. It could happen in October, I would say. It's feeling pretty imminent, at least for like, and you know, like with a with the sort of caveats of like this is very much alpha. It works in these narrow use cases. We're expecting a bunch of bugs and shortcomings and things like that. Um, but I, I've been I've been thinking about roadmap for this last quarter, and there are some things I would love to ship in the like the Mac OS app. But I'm sort of I'm thinking of deferring almost everything and just saying like we're all hands on deck for Linux this quarter, and just trying to get this to like a like if we can get from like an alpha into GA in the last quarter to me that would be like a pretty big win. Like if we felt good enough that like yeah anyone that wants to can just try to use this on Linux, and it's it, it and it mostly works often enough that we feel good about you know having a download link available to everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of feels like you're going to need to get just a broad base of people using it to get that final like 10% or whatever. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm, there's just so so many different configurations and edge cases, yes. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I think we, yeah, we're going to see how this all goes. <laughs> I do I do think we're going to feel some pain there for sure. There's just much less hardware variability on the Mac. Um, and so, you know, in theory, most of these things are um, abstracted away. But I think in practice, it's going to be tricky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the moat. Yes, exactly. It's the moat. If it works and people like it, that'll be great. Very satisfying. I like giving people software that they like, that they want. Um, and yeah, it will help address one of those reasons that people don't pick us right now. There's not a lot of people making good software for Linux folks. So we can be part of uh, not that. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. So I think that's it for me. You wrap it? I think that's it for me as well. Yeah. All right. Notes of the show. Notes for the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya.